0: You don't have to be a Bible scholar to insure your home and auto with the Better Insurance Agency. So even if you don't know your tabernacle from your tallest, we will still help you shop through multiple insurance companies to find the right coverage and low price. Whether it is home or auto, life insurance, or insurance for your small business, the Better Insurance Agency will be there to help. After all, a better future is built on a firm foundation. Find out more and visit us at www.thebetterquote.com today. Available only in Virginia and Tennessee. This is Dr. Aaron Judkins, the Maverick Archaeologist, and you're listening to the Big Bible Podcast.
1: We should read our
2: Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. It's secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time, or is it?
1: It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that.
2: And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah.
0: Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to the show because it's exactly right. There's the nuggets of gold in his Word. You guys, always sign to
2: show you, you gotta dig it, dig it.
1: Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. I feel like guys be like, hello, McFly.
2: You ain't got it so far, then.
1: There are secret societies think that they are descendants
0: of the giant. I mean, is it, isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it's like, wow.
2: Round table.
1: But these angels were taken to help immediately Do not pass gold, do not collect $200, you're out of the game
2: Dirty hands means clean theology, can you dig it? Welcome all the guys and gals and long distance pals, we're back
1: Ben why don't you go ahead and, uh, and pray for us buddy
2: Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for this beautiful weather. Thank you for the rain. Lord, please give us discernment. Please give us the words that you want us to speak. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Short and quick.
1: Yeah, I, but I love that. That actually it's funny you say that. Now, I'm going to see if I wrote that down or not. I had the the verse man. Now, I,
2: there is somewhere that says don't I, just pray well, don't Babylon like, yeah. Gent. Gen, oh yeah.
1: don't like the Gentiles do as well yep
2: um and and a lot of, like I mean I understand people have like their traditional prayers, you know like say the 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 Lord's prayer, you know, but I've always when I prayed like over food or whatever i've it's never like just the same thing all the time, but Bruce, you should get him to pray. We need to get him on here to pray one day. He'll say, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1-1. Then he'll be like, thank you for my cars. Thank you for, it. you know, like kid stuff. Yep. And then he says, then he says John 3-16, you know, and, and then amen. That's awesome. But he starts and ends with a Bible verse. I and like it's, it hilarious i mean it's not hilarious but from well, a six-year-old it's you it's know awesome
1: this is what i was gonna say you just said this and i thought this was i was thinking about this verse earlier today uh, matthew ten nineteen and 20 god will give you the right words at the right time for it is not you who will be speaking it is the father i'm sorry the spirit of your father speaking through you and that to me is what you know my prayer is is that when we're talking on here that what we're saying is is truly spirit led spirit driven so that everybody you know we're we're preaching truth and and even when it's things that are our conjecture things that we're you know our beliefs or ideas on certain things i want it to always be spirit driven and you know we always like to make sure we differentiate and say hey this is just my idea right but when we're
2: this isn't this isn't necessarily truth but this is what we think mm-hmm. but everything you vice you know
1: everything that we try to back everything up with scripture and always be that way because we want that to come from god we want the message to come from god we want it to reach everybody but um I, last uh time we were together we started a, a little mini series on the veil and um this is kind of one of my passions and we talked a little bit about what everybody thought of when they thought of the veil and what the veil meant. And then we were going to look at it from every different angle. I say from multiple different angles. And when I asked Ben, he said the first thing he thought of was the veil of the temple.
2: Right. Yeah. The actual veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. Mm -hmm. And what I thought was wild is if when you read, it says that the, the main he was not would he he wouldn't be a pharisees the main the high priest the high priest yeah he only actually was able to go into the holy holies once a year and when he went in he went in with a bowl of blood mm-hmm. which i thought was you know it's not like he he wasn't coming in just to hey god what's up like he was bringing blood which was from the sacrifice, which is without blood, you die. So, the living matter, the, lip, the living fluid of the, of the sacrifice, you're bringing, you know, it's like the lifeblood, you're bringing it to it. And he had to do his own sacrifices before he even went in, or he'd be struck dead. And just in case <laughs> he sinned before or in between his sacrifice and walking in, they tied a rope to him so they could pull him out.
1: <laughs> well, it says that there is no forgiveness of sins without the spilling of blood. Right. So it this is this is ultimately, you know, it builds up from sacrifice and we'll get into that in a little bit, but up to Jesus, and I, we want to make sure you, we kind of jump into this and look at this from a, a couple different angles when we're talking about the veil of the temple and what it means and some of the kind of the offshoots of it. But first, I'm going to read a couple of the verses um, from the gospel speaking about this event, and the first one being Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one through fifty-four. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split the tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after re- after his resurrection and they went into the holy city and appeared to many when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over jesus saw the earthquake and what took place and they were filled with awe and said truly this was the son of god and then mark 15:37 through 39 Jesus uttered with a loud cry and breathed his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom And when the centurion who was stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last He said truly this man was the son of God. So you see this account from multiple witnesses And I think it's there's a couple parts and we'll get into it a little bit here just that we'll pull some Real truth out of that as we go along, but I wanted to look back a little bit on the history of the veil, because I think it's kind of important to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about the veil um, of the temple. But if we go back in history, uh, the original word for the veil in Hebrew was parokhet And it was exactly what Ben said. It was that separation of the holy of holies from the rest of the temple. It actually goes back even earlier, because if we go to Exodus... Uh, 26 it says the original this is the original veil or curtain when they were making the tabernacle um in the wilderness it said it was made of fine tw- uh, twinned linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns yeah. the veil was there to separate us from god because our sin made us unclean before him right right we, we, yeah we, we you you, you were just saying the that.
2: presence well i mean it was practically the, the the ark was sitting there, and that was the seat of God. So he would, I guess it would be more like the spirit of God would be sitting there. Mm-hmm. Because obviously it, it wasn't God himself, because it says in the New Testament, uh, no, in the Old Testament to Moses, nobody... Nobody can see me, see my face and live. Mm-hmm. You know, so he covered him up in the crack. I think it was Moses. And he just looked at his backside and he was glowing when he come off the mountain. He had, and he had yeah.
1: to wear a veil. Yeah. Because the people couldn't look at his face because right. it was so bright.
2: And he looked at the back, you know, didn't this, even look at God's the, face. Yes. He's just there. Um, but also. Oh. Yep, I then forgot where I was going with that.
1: Well, go ahead. If you got it, go um, ahead.
2: Nope. Oh, well, okay. It was the seat where the Holy Spirit sat. The mercy seat. The dude. mercy seat. So you couldn't be in the presence even of the Holy Spirit at that time because we were unpure.
1: And I, I don't know necessarily if it was the Holy Spirit, but it was well. The sp- I mean it was the spirit of God they just didn't Well miss- I would
2: assume the spirit of God would be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit until Jesus came and died. And now we don't need the temple because we we'll, are the temple. We'll get there. Okay. Sorry. We'll get there. Sorry. Well that's where You're I skipping was. to the
1: end. <sighs> sorry. Anyway, no. <laughs> so that veil was there, like I said, because we were unclean. We're, we're, we're separate from God. So if you go back through, um, like, Leviticus, and we talk about the different sacrifices that were required, you know, such as, like, the guilt offering, the grain offering, peace offering. These, it's interesting because if you look through it, these were all, they weren't to forgive moral sin. And this is something I listened, when I was listening to Dr. Heiser on this, and I thought that was really interesting because I had never really thought about it when you go through and read these things they were really just to make you uh, fit to return to worship just to be more or less in the presence of god because when god said that same thing about the tabernacle and that mercy seat on top of the ark of the covenant he said it was so he could dwell among his people right he came to to be there Um. In, among the people, even though the people couldn't go directly to see him, but he wanted to be with his people. Right. But you had to be in a pure state of of, of being able to be in that. um
2: To be in his, in, in, the spirit's presence in the
1: presence like yeah so but it, and there's so many different things if you uh, uh touched a dead body if you were bleeding oh, yeah. if you were all these everything made you unclean you had to go through those rituals but this is not for moral sin which is really interesting because there's not a sacrifice for uh, adultery there's not a sacrifice right. for I- idolatry these things were these are and this goes back to what we talked about in the first episode about volitional sin right that separated us from god it's that volitional sin So, and even when it talks about the priest taking that bowl of blood into the holy of holies, it says to forgive everyone's unintentional sin.
2: Right. Yeah. It was to in case we didn't. Yeah. Did something we didn't realize we did.
1: And that's not. So that's not for those moral sins. And that
2: was once a year.
1: And that's the volitional sin that 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 separates us from God when we do things purposely wrong and we go through these these things in our lives, and everybody's done it. But that's what's created some more of that separation between us and God. I think that's just a really important point to kind of look at. Um, but if we go back through the Old Testament, we're going to talk a little bit about the temple, the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, because okay. I think all this stuff is important. And Ben's brought a bunch of it up already because he likes to, you know, jump ahead. A I jump bit. ahead. Sorry. So in Exodus 25, 8, 9, it says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, just like we were talking about. So, he gave them the instructions how to build the, um, the tabernacle, but first he gave them instructions on how to build the um, Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat on top. So, when you look at that, it says, what was it, Exodus 25, 17 through 22, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be its length and a cubit and a half its breadth. You shall make two cherubim of gold, of hammered work shall you make them, on the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on one end and one cherub on the other, and one piece with the mercy seat shall you make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread their wings out above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces to one another, toward the mercy seat they shall face and you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark and the ark you shall put the test in the in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you that's a little bit of a foreshadowing there a little bit but there will there I will meet you and from above the mercy seat from between the two cherim that are on the ark of the te- of the testimony I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel so you're seeing, there's a pretty elaborate, you know, Ark of the Covenant. We've all seen Indiana Jones. We've all seen, you know. how. Right. But the the part about this, the Ark of the Covenant was God's seat. You know, God rested on this. God's spirit rested on this. He's there. To the point where you weren't allowed to touch it.
2: Oh, yeah. That, um, I can't remember, but it was as they were walking through, going through Israel Defeat and everything, if I remember right, um through the promised land, it went to tip, and one of the the Israelites reached up to catch it, and he was dead. Just boom.
1: They had rings on either side, and they had posts that they'd slide through, right. and that's how they'd carry Cause they carried it because they
2: couldn't touch it.
1: And the cool part about that is they'd take it ahead of them into battle, basically having the spirit of God go before them. Yep. Right, it's just such a cool, i like, thought, if you really look into it.
2: And Jesus goes before you. Boom. Boom. That was weak. That was,
1: boom, boom. That's all I got. Okay. But pretty interesting. I think that's pretty awesome to see how that kind of filters down. But, um, you know, at that time, Ben said it too, they didn't have the Holy Spirit Uh you can sometimes see in the Old Testament where it says the Spirit of God was with someone. For example, in Judges, there's, uh, you know, it says like Barak, the Spirit of God came upon him. You know, things like this. You'll see where the Spirit of God is strong with somebody. Um, not however, the force, but the Spirit. Not the force. <laughs> but, but it wasn't It wasn't like in, in all of us. You know what I mean? We didn't have that direct connection to God as, as some people had in the past. I'm sorry, as... as as we do now, I should say. Um, So we talked a little bit about the tabernacle and what it says in Exodus twenty-six thirty-one, and you shall make the veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with the cherubim skillfully worked into it. So just talking a a little bit about, it, it gives you kind of all the different pieces of, of god straight instruction on how to build this they
2: said it was very beautiful too um i don't know if they have drawings were they there or something no, i don't just, know uh, <laughs> but <it's>, historians <laughs> said that it was like wow of being sewed together
1: i mean, well it's i mean this is something that's for the most high god his instruction probably would this is like the you know the 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 golden Fleece, you know it just like boom, you know anything God tells you to make is going to be amazing, so especially if He gives you the instructions, but uh we went over see
2: sorry, you got me you're so you're gotcha. so good, you're yeah. so good
1: on this, you got me jumping around now,
2: see you need notes and I don't <laughs> It's a joke. Like, like Kenny C said, you know, hey, what's your favorite book? I, Maps. Maps. And, and he said, and why? Because it's pictures. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 All right.
2: It's pretty funny.
1: Let me make sure we're still recording. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the temple. Right, The Holy of the Holies was the innermost sanctum of the temple where only the priest could enter, we, the high priest could enter. Um, there was this thick veil, same thing we're talking about here, that, that separated this area from the rest of the, the temple. When the veil was torn in two, we go back to those verses, remember that. The veil was torn in two, and both accounts say the same way, and this is what's, I think, really important, is it says... And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Right?
2: Well, first off.
1: Are you going to go to the end of my thing here?
2: No. Okay, just making sure. Well, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm going (laughs) to spill the rest of the beans. So, have you ever tried to rip a phone book?
1: No. You can rip a piece of paper. I can.
2: Easier than you can rip a piece of fabric. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can rip a piece of paper. A whole lot easier than a T shirt. Now I understand a phone book is denser than fabric. But four inches thick. Can, can we get to the Sorry. point where
1: we tell exactly what it is? Sorry. Man, but Mr. Jumpy McJumperson over here.
2: All right. From and and starting at the top. It's not it's uh, not gonna rip itself.
1: It's not gonna rip itself, but there's a reason You
2: could probably put Two 18-wheelers on both sides and have a tug-of-war, and it's not going to break.
1: It's quite possible. Oh, it's not.
2: There ain't no way.
1: So (laughs) So let's go and look at this. Solomon's Temple was 30 cubits tall. And according to Josephus, Herod actually increased that size to 40 cubits, which would approximately make the curtain sixty feet tall. And according to Jewish tradition, the curtain would have been around four inches thick.
2: I already said that. You did. Sorry.
1: Four inches thick, sixty feet tall. This is this curtain was and I thought about this earlier when we were talking about it a little bit is
2: I'd hate to try to move it to walk through
1: it. I I don't Yeah that'd be pretty heavy. But think about maybe was the curtain so thick and 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 made this way because if when God actually came and and sat in there that his the pre his presence needed that much to tone him down, maybe was that why it's so thick? It wasn't just a single little sheet you of know, linen. light,
2: light kitten, the light kitten make pass through kind of thing, I,
1: or maybe it toned it down just enough. I don't know. Just an interesting thought, but. 60 if, feet tall. I never knew it was that tall.
2: If it toned it down, would that not even just be amazing? That you could see the presence of God yes. through fabric? You know, that would be like, you know, not to be kind of creepy, but, you know, like see someone behind a curtain moving around, you know, through a window of a house or whatever. Like, you can't really see them but you can tell their presence is there. Oh yeah. You know. They but, didn't have window tents <clears throat> what it was.
1: No window tent. <laughs> but But if we think about that, 40 or I'm sorry, 60 feet tall, 4 inches thick. This is, you know, in the temple, you you'd see it. It was I I would bet it was very foreboding. For even the priests walking up to it, right the priests walk up this is oh, this is huge, huge, and it was a constant reminder of our separation from God right
2: it would be yeah
1: constant this is huge this is monumental six you're looking up at you're six stories tall and it's and it's looking at you. constant separation from God, and you see it you know it's there, you know he's holy in that side, and you're unclean and not even fit to be in his presence on the other side that's pretty amazing and then when the curtain was torn it was torn from top to bottom which I think this shows a couple different things first I think it shows God coming down to us right Jesus is on earth right we now can have after Jesus death we have that relationship we have that it's torn from the very top up above to the bottom. Uh, comes down to below where we are on earth. Right. Our separation from God is is null and void at that point. So we haven't quite got to the Holy Spirit yet, but um, the curtain being torn to at Jesus' time of death, it also signifies the fact that that separation from God will be with God at our death. Right. right it's same kind of thing it's pretty amazing to think about and we're no longer separated from god because he gave us his holy spirit we can walk with him we can talk with him we don't need a human high priest to do it for us because jesus is our high priest
2: right because well and also with that is it goes back to the bowl of blood sin can only be forgiven by with blood mm-hmm. and it was jesus's blood that paid The ultimate, obviously, the ultimate payment. So now we're no longer separated because we were just using animals' blood, which was, I mean, yes, it fulfilled what God said to do, but it really wasn't, you know, what God wanted, Mm -hmm. I guess. You know, it's like, you're going to sell me, here, I'm going to sell you this, and you're like, I can give you 500 bucks. I was really wanting six, but I'll let you have it for five.
1: I think it was the word, and that's the thing. I think it was the word "tamim." I think was the word that signified the pureness that they used on the sacrifices, the lambs or or uh, the rams when they'd sacrifice right. them. That to me meant they were uh, a pure blood; uh, they they didn't have any blemishes. And that's the same word that was used about Noah uh, and and his. Um, you know, God choosing him to be on the ark Right. He's without blemish. I, he was not perfect, but he was he was pure. And that's we talked a little bit about those sacrifices, making you uh, pure enough to be within the presence that you could participate in worship. But you weren't uh, you weren't pure enough. Like you're not holy enough to be with God. You know, God, you're still that separation. It basically is kind of like a uh, it's a aid. For a period of time, until Jesus comes along.
2: Right, and, and heals you.
1: And, and, and heals you, and God yeah. no longer sees your sin. You know, he says he casts it as far as the east is from the west. And, and he doesn't see it anymore, which just blows me away.
0: My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's, and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife... Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did, and we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold. Be humble. Be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. Enjoy. and
2: And also, you know, I guess people could say, well, you know, well, the curtain, it was old and it ripped. But to happen at the exact time that Jesus died, like the odds of that is imprac, you know, it's impossible. And then I can't remember where, but they were saying, the sky went dark when Jesus died for like three hours mm-hmm. or an extremely long amount of time and the the clouds and the, you know, storms and all that. <clears throat> and someone said, it was one of these YouTube things I was watching. I can't remember what it was, but he was talking about, you know, people said, oh, well, it was an eclipse. He said, when have you ever had an eclipse, and it lasts for three hours. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, no, it's for a split second, and it don't even get, like, completely dark anyways. But it's... The... I I always wonder if, like, the Pharisees and everybody who put him to death, when when he died and all this happened, they weren't, like oh, crap, we really messed up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh-oh.
1: <laughs> so this this is uh, actually kind of interesting you brought that up, and I, I read this the other day, but um, James Usher in his Annals of the World, first published in 1658, wrote that Flagon stated that in the 19th year of Tiberius – and the fourth year of the 202nd Olympiad, that is 33 AD, the following events took place. There was a large and most famous eclipse that had never occurred. The day was so turned into night at the sixth hour, noon, that the stars were seen. Also, an earthquake in Bithynia destroyed many houses near the city of Nicaea. So this is a totally separate incident,
2: right? And it did say the earth the earth shook. Mm-hmm. Also, and this is from this is and that's the thing. The guys also said because I think he's mentioned other people saying it. An eclipse isn't it's a local thing. You know, if you're just not right in its path, you're not going to see it. Mm-hmm. You might see a part or whatever, but even them being wherever they are compared to Jerusalem.
1: Well, and that might be the best way they could describe it.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, an eclipse, the they don't dark, know what else to call it.
1: The sun goes dark. The
2: sun died for three that, hours. For three
1: hours, to the point they could see the stars.
2: Right, and you you can't see the stars during a normal eclipse.
1: But that would tell you that somehow right. the sun was blacked out. And that actually is kind of interesting. That would be an interesting deep dive to try to that figure would be out what a that good would be. episode. But then another one Pliny the Elder a 1st century Roman historian wrote the largest earthquake happened in the principate of Tiberius Caesar when 12 cities in Asia Minor were raised to the ground in one night so we're talking this is two different ones talking about gigantic earthquakes and one talking about the earth like it going totally dark these are all those things we talked about before actually when we were first talking about the, the different things that pop up and show, wow.
2: It really happened. It
1: really happened.
2: It's proof and,
1: that and the Bible's true. It's just really cool to see it from. And I always say, go to the Bible first. We always do. But the fact of the matter is, when you can look at extra biblical books or historians or these other things, and we've, I mean, we've looked at Josephus a lot. We've looked at Enoch. We've looked at um, uh, some of these other books, Jubilees, Jasher, uh, uh, Eusebius um, Tertullian we've gone through and looked at some of their writings and things like this and when you can see that those writings even though they're not scriptural canon and some of those people weren't even Christians
2: yeah their, but their stuff
1: lines up
2: their information with
1: the biblical text correct and that's the part that I think is really important and really cool to And see. it's
2: even like even writing about certain things that they were trying to expel, you know, they're trying to to shush out Christianity, but yet this knowledge was still able to be written down. You know, I mean, I don't, I didn't live back then, but you know, they, I can't remember who was it that that used the Christians as like human lanterns in his gap, like they burn them at the stake to light up his parties. I can't, but this stuff happened. I can't remember. It was one of the Roman people that was just like totally sadistic. Yeah. But they'd like bathe him in oil and then light him on fire when he had his little dinner parties or whatever. That's, it's, that's uh, I'll, I'm going to Google it.
1: I'm <laughs> well, going back to the point, Jesus being our high priest, I just want to read uh, Hebrews 4. Fourteen through uh, sixteen. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. And then chapter 5.
2: Okay, here it is. Nero did it. Nero. It said Nero himself blamed the fire on an obscure new Jewish religion set called the Christian's who, which I don't know what fire, but who he um, indiscriminately and mercilessly crucified. During gladiator matches, he would feed Christians to lions, and he often lit his garden parties with the burning carcasses of Christian human torches.
1: Man, it goes,
2: And, and uh, my thing is people that would not be like okay, okay. It's just a it's just a ruse. No, they're getting burnt. They're getting just using as human torches. So something reals there.
1: Well, it's if you're willing to die for these things.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. It is. Back to chapter 5, it Sorry. says,
1: Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Back to chapter 5, it says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. But because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. If you haven't listened to the Angel of the Lord episode with Doug Van Dorn, go back and listen to that. That is, that some of that stuff blows my mind. But that is such a cool way of, of seeing, you know, Jesus, Jesus is that high priest for us now. Instead of having to go to a human to go to God for us, we cut out the middleman. Well, God
2: cut out the middleman. Oh, yeah. And, it, yeah.
1: and it's just amazing. We have that ability to go right straight to him. So... You know, Shortly after this time, we, we see the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit is given, uh, as Jesus said it would, as well as John the Baptist um, kind of foretold that was coming. You know, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Holy Spirit was given, and the separation from God and his believers was lifted. It says in Acts 17, 24, God, who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. 1 J- John 4.12-15 through 15. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Separation's gone. That's, I think we all take that, and I mean, I take it for granted a lot of times. I think we all do.
2: Yeah, I think we all do.
1: God is, we have God living in us. He's with us all the time. We are, you know, he's he's stamped us as his children. We have an intimate relationship with him where we can talk to him anytime. I mean, that's the most amazing thing to think. The person who created you, the, the, the God that created you, you can sit down and have a chat with. I mean, think about that. He's given us that ability to... Interact with him in a way that, if you look through other religions and things of this nature, you just don't you don't get that, or you gotta do all these great things to get to a certain you ha- level. You
2: have to do works to get to get to where you need to be yeah. to be to be worthy of being with that so called lowercase g God. Not in or Christianity, no. right? Well, I mean, it's not. Well, I watched. Uh, how was it? brad stein i can't remember it was a youtube video i think brad stein was talking about it but i can't remember no it wasn't it was that preacher guy in knoxville charles something it's a church in knoxville but anyways he said you know if you try to add to what jesus has done then you're saying what jesus has done was not good enough yeah, that's. And and that's that. So if you have to, well, you can be saved if you do this and do that. Well, then you're not in the right religion. You're not following the right, the right God. Because if you have to become perfect before you can become a Christian. Well, then you're already perfect. No, that's not how it works. You become a Christian, and then your walk will mold you to be as perfect as you can, and you'll become a little bit more perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect. We're not gonna to try be, to be like, be, up, I'm done, I'm perfect. No, to We're not to be gonna more, get there. More Christ-like, right? Your your walk with God will will form you to be more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. You don't become Christ-like, and then, oh, I've I've done my job. I can now, now I can be. To go to heaven that's not how it works I agree
1: Now Kind of to wrap this all up in a Bow uh, I want to look at just Two more verses here But this is Jesus talking to His disciples in the first one this is Matthew 10 26 through 27 It says So have no fear of them For nothing is covered That will not be revealed Or hidden that will not be known what i tell you in the dark say in the light and what you have what you hear whispered proclaim on the housetops and then 2 corinthians 3:16 through 18 but when one turns to the lord the veil is removed and now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes with the Lord who is the Spirit. We, it's just, it's. if you take the time and you go through and, and read the text, it's just unbelievable because the answers are all right there. It's showing that after, that relationship that you have with God, having the Spirit inside of you, that that veil is removed, that veil that separates you from God. This is one aspect of the veil, as we've talked about a little bit, with the faith of the child being the the first one. But I just think that this is such an amazing thing when you can see that as soon as you turn to the Lord, that veil is removed, and you no longer are separated from God.
2: And he also says, once you're in my hand, nothing can pluck you out of it.
1: I bet he's got a great grip.
2: Or he's got a good defense with the other hand. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. You can't. Nope, 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 nope.
1: Well, I want you to know I feel safe in his hand, so.
2: um, i hope you
1: guys are enjoying this uh i'm i'm enjoying this because i love looking into this the different aspects of the veil um but uh keep digging in keep looking and uh
2: i hope this pulled the veil away from your eyes so keep on digging see you next time thanks for listening to the dig bible podcast the place where you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole you gotta dig Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Keep digging.